glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Here you can see the faithful watchman here in Ezekiel chapter 33. In the first part of this here, you see the responsibility of the watchman. Uh, his responsibility is very simple. It is to warn the people. Now, I'm going to read through this again, but I want you to notice verses 3 through 6, how many times the root word for warn is there. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning... If the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword and come, uh, sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, and his blood will I, will I require at the watchman's hand. And so obviously the responsibility of the watchman is to warn these people. Literally, here you have in the nation, they would take and set someone up to watch over. And if they see people coming with the sword, then they would take a trumpet and blow that trumpet. And that's, that was what was necessary. If you heard that trumpet blow, then it was your responsibility at that point to do something to protect yourself from that attack. Uh, but if the watchman did not blow that trumpet, uh, then he was the one that was in trouble. And so he's responsible... He is, the watchman is, no, I want to say this several times, the watchman is not responsible for how the people respond. The watchman is responsible to warn. That's his job. Now, how does he warn them? In verse 3, it said that he's to blow a trumpet. That's what he does. And I think it's interesting, the striking similarity, because in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, it says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. So what he was in the in the book of Isaiah, he's told, I want you to, I don't think it's uh, confusion. I think God knows exactly what he's telling these different men. Hey, you are to use your voice and lift it up like a trumpet and warn these people of their iniquities and of their sins. And so you can see the watchman is to warn uh, and he's not responsible for their for their response. But then after that, in the same passage of Scripture, you see the Ezekiel is, the Lord is telling him, you are this watchman. If you look again in verse 7, he says, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. And so here Ezekiel is the watchman. What is he to do? He is to warn them. And who specifically is he to warn? In verse 8 and 9 it says, When I say unto the wicked... O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. That's what it is. He, he's, to, he's to warn them. What is he to warn them of? Thou shalt surely die. If, and then he says, if thou dost not warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but, I, but his blood will I require his hand, etc. And so he's to warn them. He's to warn. Who is he to warn? He's to warn wicked people. Ezekiel, you're supposed to go out and you're going to warn these wicked people. And you're going to, what are you going to tell them? What are you going to warn them of? He's going to tell them, thou shalt surely die. And he's to warn them to turn from their wicked ways. Once again, you can see in verses 8 and 9, he says, if you, if, if, uh, he says in the end of verse 8 there, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now, I don't know about you. This is an encouragement to me. 
Because sometimes I can, I can somehow take upon me, I can feel like I'm not accomplishing my job because I'm not seeing more people turn from their wicked ways and receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, but I believe the same thing is true and applicable for us today, that we as a watchman have a responsibility to warn the wicked. We have the responsibility to go out and give people the message that judgment is indeed coming. And then here's the beautiful thing. It's still true for us today. We are not responsible for how people respond to that message. I watch Camden. Camden, uh, I, I, Camden will take tracks and he'll put them in his pocket. And then when we go into Walmart, he'll go up to people and just say, can I give this to you? It's, it's a gospel track. And I'm always watching because I, I'm interested in seeing how people respond to him. Today, he had two of them. Uh, no, no. And then another person, no. And then they, one turned to the other. So what was he trying to sell you? <laughs> they didn't try to sell you anything. That would be, that'd be a racket, wouldn't it? You're grabbing stuff off the shelf in Walmart. Would you like to buy this? You know, you're going to make money in Walmart selling the stuff in Walmart. No, he was, but he, he would try to give people tracks and have people receive those tracks. And it's interesting because the soil of the people's hearts is different. Not everyone's heart is the same way. You, you may go to someone, and it's so interesting to me how oftentimes we would assume this person here is going to be calloused, hard, and different. They're going, to, they're going to yell at me. Why? Because of their exterior. Now, I will say this. Here in the northwestern United States of America, you may just encounter a person that's maybe never heard the gospel. That is possible. Yes, they're a sinner, and they're wicked. But I was in Great Falls, Montana, we were at a meeting there, and uh, I went to go get some of that coffee that they had down in a coffee shop. And I stopped in there, and sure enough, I went up, got it, got the coffee. The guy over here, he's making it. He's got tattoos all over his arms, part way up his neck. And I, I got my coffee and said, thank you, and started walking out. And the Holy Spirit of God said, why don't you give him a track? Uh, did you see him? He's scary. I don't want to give that guy a track. He'll bite me. I got all the way out to the car, and I've, we, the Holy Spirit, we've had this conversation before, and I know it's, it's best to just do what I'm told. I say, yes, sir. I go out to the car, and I grabbed a track, and I went back in. I said, hey, can I give this to you? Surprising. He said, oh, yeah, thanks. Sure, appreciate it. And he took it. You'd expect for him to, you know, jump on you like the seven sons of Sceva or something like that. No, he did not. He was nice. And I thought, you know, it's interesting we live in a part of the country, this isn't the Bible Belt. Not everyone has heard the gospel. Many people have probably never heard it for the first time ever. A lot of people probably never heard a clerk presentation of the gospel. Now, I'll be interested because you might have somebody else over here that they look, oh, they look, the, you know, the clean, all this, and they look, oh, this will be great. You go over to them and they about rip your head off. See, you can't see someone's heart. You don't know their heart. We have a responsibility as a watchman to go to every person because, and I didn't come up with this. God did. Go ye know the world and preach the gospel too? Every creature. I didn't come up with it. God did. You and I have a responsibility as a watchman to go warn absolutely every single person. Give them an opportunity to hear the gospel and to be saved. If you do it in track form and give them a track, great. Share your personal testimony. Witness to them. I don't know about you. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm short of what I should be, but I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to be a better soul winner. When I die someday, I want to be better than I am uh, than today. And so you can see here the very simple, simple basic principles of the responsibility of a watchman. Ezekiel the watchman is told to go to these people and to warn them uh, 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 against their iniquities. Now let's see how this plays out in Scripture. If you'll take your Bibles and go to 
to Jonah chapter 1. In Jonah chapter 1, it says in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So we have here the same principle or idea. I want you, I want you, Jonah. The word of the Lord came into both Ezekiel and to Jonah and he gave them both a message. I want you to go warn these wicked people. I want you to warn these wicked people. But Jonah didn't do that, did he? Jonah said, no, I'd rather not. Thank you very much. Kindly, I'm going to go a different direction. Now, the Lord told Jonah to do something simple. He told him to go. Very simple to what the Lord's told us to do. Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go. And then after that, he says, cry against the city of Nineveh because their wickedness has come up before me. Now, you know what I see here in this passage of Scripture? God cares about wicked people. God loves wicked people. So he sends a messenger to them with a message. Jonah says, I'm not going to go. Now, if you flip over a couple pages, go to chapter 3 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad that God gives second chances? Aren't you glad that when you, you don't do what you're supposed to do? I remember one time I was coming out of Walmart Seems like I spent a lot of time in there, but I came out of Walmart and uh, as I left the cash register, I did not give the woman a track. And the Spirit of God said, why don't you give, why don't you give her a track? I don't know. And I kept walking. As I was walking out, I recognized a man that I had known from the jail ministry. He was an inmate and I was a chaplain and I was on my way out. The Spirit of God said, that would be a good guy to give one to. I didn't give him one. I kept walking. But as we were walking out, I was walking out to the parking lot. There were two men that were sitting there smoking. Walked past them. The Lord said, you can give them one. I said, I will. I turned around and I gave them each a gospel track. Aren't you glad God doesn't give up on us when we don't do what we're supposed to be doing? The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went. You know, there's quite a bit that had to happen between chapter 1 and chapter 3 to get Jonah to say, yes, I'll do what you're asking me to do. I will say this. Number one, what would it take? What would it take for God to get us to do what we're supposed to be doing by giving the gospel to people? Does God have to put us through a bunch of stuff like he did with Jonah? I'll say this, that's shameful. God shouldn't have to do that. How many other places in Scripture where we find where it says, and the word of the Lord came unto so-and-so and told them where to go, and they arose and went. It says that, the very next thing, and they arose and went, and they arose and went, and they arose and went, and just did what they are told. We have to be obedient people. And so we see here that Jonah, he sent him, and after this, after a second chance, so Jonah arose and went, and his preaching, he warned them, didn't he? And he warned what kind of people? Wicked people. These were wicked people. 
but he warned them. And his message was one of grace. Forty days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. But this was a message of grace. Most people would say, well, how is that a message of grace? Because why send a preacher? Why give him 40 days? And the answer is actually found back in Ezekiel 33, 11. I'll read it to you where it says, Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? The answer is simple. Because God loved absolutely every single person in Nineveh. And he didn't want them to die in, in, their, in their iniquities and their transgressions and then go to hell for all of eternity. He didn't want that. Now, isn't it amazing? I think this is what's wonderful. I hope I don't get in trouble. But you take a lame preacher like Jonah who walked into that town and it seemed like he just tried to barely, you know, let's do bare minimum here. 40 days and you'll be destroyed. And look what God did in that city. These people said, we will repent in sackcloth and ashes. Lest God, you know, maybe God, maybe God will, he'll, he'll change his mind. Isn't it amazing? How, what God was able to accomplish because those people were willing to repent and believe the message that was given to them. And so God gives second chances and he went and he preached. And the reason why God wanted him to do this, because I have, he says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now that's in the Old Testament. How about in the New Testament? If you go with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Now this is speaking of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 18. It says there, let's look in verse 1. We'll read down a little ways. And it says, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born, born in Pontius, uh, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had uh, commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought by their occupation. They were tent makers. Uh, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now here it is in verse 6. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So here he is reasoning in the synagogues with the Jews and the Greeks, but there was a point where they opposed themselves and they blasphemed. He shook his raiment and he said, Your blood be upon your own head. Well, he's, he's referencing this passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 33 with a faithful watchman. And he's saying, Hey, I have warned you. I gave you a warning. Your blood be upon your own head. Now, if anything, that's just simply to stress the idea that we are not responsible for the way that people respond to the gospel, but rather we are responsible to get it to them. We must be busy about doing that. Uh, now, he says that in verse 6. Like I said in Ezekiel 33, 4, it says, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Ezekiel 33, 9, Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way and turn from to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now, if you will go with me to Acts chapter 20. Just a few pages over. 
in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, it says, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So he's speaking, these are the elders of the church in Ephesus. Verse 18, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all at, sea, at, at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in the weight of Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that befall me there. Say say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Here it is in verse 26. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Meaning, I have warned these people. The people I've come in contact with, I've warned them. I've done my job as a faithful watchman to warn the people of their iniquity, of their wickedness, and of the judgment to come. And thereby, I guess the question is, do we, do we have blood on our hands? Do we have blood on our hands? I'd be a liar tonight if I stood here and told you the same thing that the Apostle Paul just said. I am pure from the blood of all men. Hardly. But I want to be. I want to be the kind of person where I am constantly soul conscious and witnessing to people and sharing the gospel with people. Constantly. Every person I meet. Now, when I tell the story about years ago, uh, my kids have heard it many times now that we've been on deputation. But there was a time when I was at uh, Brother Stansfield's church down there in uh, Coeur d'Alene. He preached a message from, oh, is it Luke 14? And I don't remember a thing he said, but I remember what the Holy Spirit of God said to me in that service. He said, you're not giving the gospel to anybody. And I remember I said, you're correct, but if you'll help me, I'll, I'll do it. So on the way out, I grabbed a pocket full of tracks and put them in my pocket. As you probably well know, the next day I went by a gas station to get something to drink. And I did not give the clerk a track, but I went out and sat in the car. And the Spirit of God said to me, I thought you said you were going to do this. So I was faced with a decision. I got out of the car and went back in and I said, can I give this to you? It's a gospel track. She said, sure. She took it and she immediately began reading it. And I knew at that moment I was terrible at this. Well, we lived in Heron at the time. I walked up and down our driveway many a times and I prayed. said, Lord, I need your help. I'm not good at this. Will you help me? I want to be good at this. I want to do well. And he said to me, follow me and I'll make you be fishers of men. If you're not fishing, you're not following me. I said, oh, okay. And it was amazing. I begged him and pleaded with him, please help me. And it was very shortly after that that I got an opportunity to go into the jail in Sandpoint as a chaplain. I thought, well, neat, this will be great. And I went in there. And what, what do you know? When you walk into a pod with anywhere from you know, five to 35 men, and they're all wearing their pajamas and flip-flops, and I walk in there dressed like this, they know I don't belong in there. They know I'm not one of them. So they just look at you like, what are you doing? I'm not selling Girl Scout cookies. It puts you on the spot, and it forced me to grow. Now, that's not the case for everybody. God's not going to send everybody to the jail ministry to get them to grow. 
but God will give you opportunities. I'd say it was a wonderful thing for me to do that. I was in there for a year, and I remember at one point, you can only tell the same guy the Romans road so many times before he says, I've heard that. Do you know what happens after a bit? You begin to say, Lord, show me some other things I can tell them from the Word of God about salvation. And he did. And before you know it, I could witness to people in different ways from different scriptures, and it forced me to grow. I'm going to say this. Some of the men in this church that I go door knocking with are some of the greatest encouragements to me. I, say, I can say this. I watched Jim and Jeff start just going, uh, and I don't think they had a Ph.D. in door knocking when they first started going door knocking. But it was encouraging to me because just to listen to the simplicity of how they would share the gospel with somebody. They asked them questions like, um, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? They said, yes, I do. I said, well, you seem very confident. Can you please tell me how to get to heaven? They go, wah, wah, uh, I've got to clean something right now. Goodbye. <laughs> I go, they don't have a clue. They say, do you know to get to Sandpoint? Oh, I do. How do you get there? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, you go, you don't know how to get to Sandpoint. They call their bluff. I was enc- I'm encouraged. And I just say, there's not a single person in this room that's perfect. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to do it perfectly. But you see what can happen sometimes is people sit back and say, I can't do it perfectly, so I'm just not going to do it at all. Really? Is that how we do everything in life? I I can't do anything perfect, so I just won't do anything. That's nonsense. You'll have bloody hands when you stand before God someday. We can't live that way. The Lord said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Well, that this day, the night cometh when no man can work. And I think we are all on the same page. When you look in this country right now, the, night, the sun is setting and the night is coming when we will not be able to work anymore. If, 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 if the Lord doesn't come back first, we're running out of time to be able to openly witness and, profess and proclaim the gospel. We're running out of time in this country. And so here it says this. He says, I'm pure, pure from the blood of all men. Paul, the faithful watchman, could say, he could say that he was pure from the blood of all men. Were all of them saved? No, but they were warned. Now, in closing, I'll say this. I'm going to say this about Paul, too. Paul is one of those where when he said, the Lord said, go ye, Paul knew the Lord was talking about him. Personal responsibility. True or false, Paul was invested in the gospel. Personally invested. He took personal responsibility, and that's what this message is about. Am I willing to take personal responsibility to get the gospel out to people, to warn them of, of, God's, of God's judgment? And I'll read this to you. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, it says, And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go under the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians and, and to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. 
This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Somebody said this once, we do not well if we do not tell. The Apostle Paul penned down the letter to the Corinthians, and he said, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul spoke to them and said, There's some pe- there are people in your town that have never heard, and for this you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. The Bible says in James 4.17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, thankfully, amen, the Lord gives second chances. If I ask for a raise of hands, which I won't, I say, how many of us are, are doing, the, we're doing the best we can in this area? I don't know too many people that would raise their hand. But God gives second chances. God gives other opportunities. God gives opportunities to start over. What a good, what a good year. Tomorrow, new year, amen? I'm not, you hear my kids this whole week, I've been bashing the idea of New Year's resolutions because it's like they're, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And it lasts for three days. Actually, it doesn't even last that long because we got treats still out from the day, you know, the week before. But it doesn't even last that long. Uh, I'm going to go exercise more. Last one time. And we're about dead, laying on the side of the road from trying to run. It doesn't work. But I will say this. If you come and you, or if you just talk to God tonight and say, Lord, you know, you know I'm not doing what I ought to be doing in this area. Would you forgive me? And Lord, by your grace, I want to do better this next year. Help me to hand out tracks. Help me to witness to people. Help me to pray for people to be saved. Lord, help me to be more invested in the gospel. We are not responsible for how they respond. They are. We are simply responsible to see that they get the message. Vance Havner said this once, It is not our business to make the message acceptable, but to make it available. We are not to see that they like it, but that they get it. Don't sugarcoat the cross. Just tell them the truth. God cares about wicked people. question is, do we? When we look upon the multitudes, are we moved with compassion or frustration? I've been there. I've looked at the multitudes of people and been frustrated with them. Only to have the Lord say, where did you come from? Where did I find you? What mess were you in when I found you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you. I'm glad God loves wicked people and He cares about them enough to send people across their path to share the gospel with them because... Uh, that was me. I'm so thankful for what God can and will do. question for each of us tonight is this. Are you a faithful watchman? Are you a faithful watchman? 